Alright guys, welcome back to the Establish the Past podcast presented by Clutch Points. I'm your host, Blake Level. With me as always, my co-host Dylan Reagan. Back here to discuss some off-season topics in the NFL. And uh, Dylan, before we get into the main event, I guess you could say, looking at uh, our picks for some of the most improved teams in the NFL in the 2023 season, let's talk about Dalvin Cook because uh, he is no longer a member of the Vikings. And uh, that was kind of one of those things that, you know, I think once it, once that snowball started rolling, uh, we pretty much knew that was going to be, I think, the eventual um, decision there. And so now Dalvin Cook looking for his next team and everyone is talking about where does he go next? Uh, plenty of teams, I think, would like to have a, a running back uh, like Dalvin Cook. And so now things become a lot more interesting to see where he potentially winds up. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it, it's kind of sad that this is the state of what happens with running backs now. They, you could be a guy with you look at the numbers from the last four seasons. There's a reason he's been going in the top seven, set, uh, six, seven picks on a fantasy drafts. So, uh, you know, it's crazy. Uh, but I know some of the advanced metrics have shown he's slowing down, right? That's the whole kind of narrative going on here. So, I mean, there's a lot of teams that I feel like could use him, even if he's not the running back he was a few years ago, the usage rate that the Vikings, even with Alexander Madison, it wasn't like uh, Dalvin was maybe on the level of Derrick Henry with the level of carries he was getting and touches, but he still was one of the higher usage rate guys in the league. And that does take a toll. But now looking at um, where he could end up, I mean, the the one that has been brought up quite a few times that there's been uh, a number of rumors about the Dolphins would be, if they can make it work financially and you imagine with Mike McDaniel and that offense, he likes having lots of running back options as a fantasy owner of Dalvin. If you have him in a dynasty league or something, it's probably not the best case scenario just because (laughs) he's not going to be used um, at the level he was before. Um, But I I think that's just the one that I, when I think about fit for him and potentially a team that's going to be willing, uh, they haven't been uh, afraid to spend a little bit more. I know the the bears were mentioned, but then there was some stuff saying they weren't going to, ultimately be in the running by the end of it but so Miami right now for me is kind of the one that if I could you know have a perfect situation for what you know his history obviously from Florida and um obviously a Florida State star and yeah I think that would be a lot of fun to see what Mike McDaniel and this this improved uh offense and the offensive line you know it's not like Minnesota always had just the, the most amazing lines uh in front of him so I think um those kind of things should lead to success, but yeah, I'm, there's some interesting teams out being named out there. Like I mentioned, the, the Bears are one. I know the Steelers have been mentioned. I don't know if it was really a rumor so much as some of their players talking about it and the idea of of him uh, possibly being signed. But uh, the Broncos, I know, were mentioned, but that seems like the last reports I saw there were that that's not going to probably. Uh, end up playing out so right now it doesn't look like there's any rush so hopefully we'll by the time you listen to this you'll still uh dalvin will still be a free agent still be uh have a chance to to be thinking about different destinations but for now i think miami i don't know about you but miami's probably the one that if i had to to nail one that's the the pick where i didn't uh put him yeah it makes the most sense like i say he's from there uh played at florida state um a team that is a surefire playoff team I think just in terms of you know if you compare them to the Bears right and I think that's one of the things you look at um it's nice to think of what the pairing could be with the Dalvin Cook and Justin Fields and such but Bears don't feel like just a you know a a surefire certain playoff team right now I think the Dolphins um are certainly in that category and so if you want to win uh, I think that's probably the choice that makes the most sense I did like the quote that he gave um I think it was ESPN I saw he noted that, uh, here's his quote, I don't know if you saw this, um, 
He said, I play Madden a lot, and I do create a GM in Madden with my son. <laughs> so we've been playing and stuff like that. And he said, going through this process in real life, it kind of feels like a creative game to me. Uh, he said, it's funny, man. It's an exciting step in my life. And a lot of people have reached out to me this past week and just to reach out and see what I was thinking. But there's a lot of people reaching out. I mean, that's not a surprise. Like we said, it's. I think there's clearly people who will value him um, and see him maybe as the missing piece that'll that'll get them into that next stratosphere but like you said earlier that doesn't necessarily mean he's gonna carry the ball 30 times a game uh, but just a piece of the puzzle you can do a lot worse than than having someone like Dalvin Cook in your backfield because like we said before I mean he was a you know one of the big reasons why the, the Vikings have, have done some of the things that they've done certainly you know over the years and so um, yeah it, it will be very interesting but I, I'm with you I think the Dolphins to me would be the front runner right now unless it's one of those situations where you just see a team kind of come out of nowhere um, and maybe be that choice, but I yeah, I would have to think the Dolphins, you know, are, are high up there. So yeah, a lot of teams. I, I know, like before it even got released, people talked about the Cowboys. Um, I think it's way more likely that we see them just reunite with Zeke and have kind of a a running back room. That yeah, right at the moment, if you if you look at our lads or any place for their depth chart, it looks a little. I, I understand why they'd be brought up, and it's always fun talking about the Cowboys and what they could be doing um, <laughs> in general free agents. But just for a number of reasons, I think it's way more likely that we see Zeke back um, in Dallas, or even if it's not Zeke, another running back uh, that's going to be on that level of uh, the price point, uh, Dalvin going for more like $10 million, as he said he wants. We'll see what he actually ends up getting. But that's the only other team I, I feel like I should have mentioned there towards the top. I, I don't know how much compared to, you know, it's a little different than DeAndre Hopkins where he, a lot of the things he talked about were for his fit of a destination didn't really seem to match up with like teams that had a lot of money in most cases. A lot of those teams, yeah. uh, the kind of uh, you know standards that he was looking for in terms of the coaching staff, in terms of the quarterbacking, in terms of just the, cult, um, the, the overall organization. There's only so many teams that kind of fit that bill. Um, whereas for Dalvin, it, it seems like it's a little more wide open. But s- despite that, I just don't know how many teams are in a place to – to be spending as that much on a running back that understand the value the way that the Dolphins do with what they could use Dalvin as a weapon. Um, so as much as yeah, Dallas in theory could be fun. I, I don't, I don't know if I ultimately see it happening. Um, they, they're a team that just did spend quite a bit on a running back and now is <laughs> kind of moving, you know, <laughs> off that model. It the first hand just kind of saw what could happen there. Um, trying to think. Yeah. I mean, maybe the, Eagles were mentioned, but man, I I don't know. They 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 seem like they're in a fine spot. Um, I'd be doubtful if they'd also kind of raise up to spend. Uh, how he seems to pick his spot, choose his spots a little uh, bit differently at times with how he uh, brings in free agents. Usually tries to look for a little more value adds. So everything's turning up Miami. We'll we'll find out. <laughs> I guess we got some. Like he said, he's not in a rush to to, to no. find a new home. So it could, could be a little bit here. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. Is like it's just. Uh, it's always fun to think about what the Cowboys could do, um, but I just tend to think that Miami's the best fit of the group. So we'll see if anyone else pops up. And like we said, by the time this actually releases, again, as quickly as these things can move, um, he may already have a new team. And so this may all be kind of a, a moot point. But what won't be is us talking about the most improved teams in the NFL in the 2023 season. And uh, Dylan, we, we kind of brought this up as a subject to do. And initially I thought, you know, there's probably going to be a lot we could choose from. Like, man, I can go to this team or that team. But as you and I started like listing off these teams, I'm like, yeah, they don't really qualify. No, that team doesn't qualify either. Um, and so it's like, this is actually a pretty small group that I think that I would put in there right now. Now, of course, it doesn't mean that 
one of these teams that, you know, won three or four games or five games last season won't just jump up and, you know, win their division or something like that. We've seen, you know, things like that happen before. But when you just break down the list, um, this is not a huge list that I look at here when I'm trying to figure out who the most improved teams are. Let's yeah. start with what I, I think Dylan's going to be the most obvious one for you and I both, um, and I think for anyone. I don't know how. Honestly, I would have to believe this would be the first one on everyone's list if you're making a most improved team list without any bias whatsoever. I mean, it has to be the New York Jets, um, who went 7-10 and last season. We talked about them. They lost six straight games to, to finish the season. You know, kind of a, a what could have been for them. They looked like a playoff team, um, you know, before that final stretch, and just lost some close games, couldn't put it all together. Now they have Aaron Rodgers. Now they've added more pieces around him. Uh, the Aaron Rodgers effect is is probably real, no matter what age he is now. Uh, and so you would have to think that while I would still say the Buffalo Bills are going to be the favorite in the AFC East, um, you certainly look at the the Jets now as a, as a playoff team, and you'd be disappointed if they're not. So that would certainly put them in the category flipping from that 7-10 record. Oh, 100%. They're the easy pick for the, the highest likely worst the first team that we seem to see every at least every couple of years at times, a couple of teams. Um, I think the Jaguars last year would have uh, qualified for that. Yeah, um, yeah. A little different situation, obviously, uh, with the, that young roster they had. But it's hard to say uh, a team that was so good on defense um, uh, really just on offense was missing one thing in particular. Not that the offensive line at times had some injury issues, obviously. Seems like they're much healthier right now coming into this season. Um, but it, it was clearly quarterback. They, it was, it was a, a void that prevented this team from being a playoff team last year in a crowded AFC. As we've talked about over and over, this AFC is still really crowded. This division, I mean, I can't wait for all these matchups. I, I've, I'm trying to figure out who I would, if I had to order these teams one to four, who I'm putting last. And I don't feel good about any situation, even though the Patriots maybe are the one you'd think of. But at the same time, it's like, man, I, I don't know. They competent uh, <laughs> offensive play calling. Maybe things are going to be a little different there in New England heading into this season. But um, anyway, with the Jets, it's hard to say uh, that they're not going to be drastically improved with Aaron Rodgers as long as he doesn't even have to be the quarterback he was a couple of years ago, three years ago when he was winning those MVPs. If he's even on the level of last year, which wasn't up to his standard, um, and I, I don't think there's any reason to doubt that uh, he could at least get there and likely play better um, with the rejuvenated um, system. And obviously, not that he didn't have some good weapons there, but last year, a bit of a transition year without Devontae Adams, a lot of young, really young guys. And he's got some young guys with Garrett. I don't know if they're as, as polished as Garrett Wilson. And then obviously all the other names, that the Lazards, they bring in McCall Hardman. I mean, they have a lot of different um, – different weapons here now where you yeah. start to think, all right, things are coming together for this team. And uh, we'll, I mean, I know they're going as they've kind of talked about how they're going to be using less, um, less uh, hot routes and different things where they're not going to be in motion nearly as much. And they're going back to what Aaron liked to do previously. We'll see if that's a good thing overall. It's even though he had some qualms with the system with Matt LaFleur at times, it, he won a couple MVPs. Uh, I don't think it, it was necessarily a failure by any means of going 13 and three or 13, 14 and three for like a three year stretch there. Um, but I, I, yeah, for the jets, if their defense doesn't have to, it's going to be hard to not regress a little bit. I don't know if they're going to be quite as dominant, but I, there's still reason to believe they could be just as good and not uh, definitely not fall off 
in a major way on that side of the ball. So you, you, you add that up with an offense that should be at least middle of the pack um, and potentially has a ceiling that's much higher, then, yeah, you have a team that could potentially win this division if everything broke right for them. I'm not going to probably predict it. As you mentioned, the Bills still the favorite. I still – I'm trying to hamper my expectations for the Dolphins, but I'm really high on what Miami can do if Tua stays on the field, and that's a big if, obviously. Um but I think the Jets are they're right there in this in the running, and there's a reason that they're you know the first Monday Night Football game of the year they have been playing Buffalo, and they have a lot of primetime <laughs> games, and there's just a ton of intrigue around this team, not just because of the name power of Aaron Rodgers, but because of what he is and what this whole it's just a different feel around the Jets than I feel like even in the Rex Ryan era where they made a couple AFC title games, it wasn't like Mark Sanchez. They, they were throwing the ball like 15 to 20 times when they were successful. If they were having a good game, that's probably the formula they wanted. It has been, I can't even, you know, what my NFL fandom spanning to the late, or more so the early 2000s, but the late 90s, like what Chad Pennington is probably one of the best quarterbacks I've yeah. seen as a Jet and Jets history mm-hmm. outside of maybe that one season with Brett Favre. So, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting exciting times for the Jets, and uh, it made sense to make this move with a roster that you, you always want to capitalize when you have as well well built together of a defense as they do, and some of the skill players on offense. And they were they were in a position we've seen a lot of teams. Yeah, a lot of teams can build through drafting a quarterback and tearing it all down, and the Jets have tried that a number of times. It has not worked. But now they finally built up a really good roster, and now they can bring in the quarterback. We've seen a number of teams be successful with this model in recent history. I don't know if I'm going to predict a Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, go to Tampa, go to L.A., win Super Bowl ring kind of thing. But the Jets are definitely a contender in the AFC and an easy pick for one of the most improved teams this year. Yeah, well, what's interesting about that, and I think you know, you and I expect them to fully be improved in terms of their play on the field. But I think we talked about when we looked at their schedule maybe going into the season, it's a brutal schedule for the Jets because not only do you play four games against the Bills, well, six games, right, against the Bills, Patriots, and Dolphins, who could all be playoff teams um, in their own right. If if things, you know, if you look at all those teams say, what's the ceiling? They're all playoff teams if you're looking at kind of what their potential could be. But then, you know, you get the NFC East with the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants. Um, you get the yeah. AFC West, right, with the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Raiders, the Chargers. <laughs> So that's the thing is like, man, I th- I don't remember exactly what we talked about, but like when you look at their schedule, I have to think the Jets are actually going to play one of the toughest schedules in the NFL uh, mm-hmm. because, I mean, just think about this off the bat, right? Like, and again, I, I would still put them in the most improved teams, but here's what makes it so interesting. And you said they start the season, um, you know, th- with that game against Buffalo, but it's like, think about what comes after that. Like the first, I don't know if I've seen a schedule like this in terms of their first eight games. At home against Buffalo, at Dallas, home against the Patriots, home against the Chiefs, at Denver, who I think we're going to get to Denver in a second, home against the Eagles, at the Giants, home against the Chargers. Like, I mean, how many playoff teams are in that? That, that entire group could be playoff teams, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's what is so interesting. And so, I mean, then after that, it's like you just keep going, and They've got some of those back-end games against teams like the Falcons and the Texans and the Commanders and the Browns, but, boy, the front end of that schedule is brutal. And, again, it's just how many games they have against those teams. Can they find enough of those wins? They could be very improved, but it may only improve their win total by, you know, two or so. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. We might be talking more about, like, DVOA improvements than, um, yeah. right. <laughs> than record because, I mean, this is the case for the, a lot of the AFC uh, that they're all going to kind of 
cannibalize each other from all the, all the games they're going to have to face often. Uh, it, there's going to be good teams that are going to be left out, not just of the playoffs, that are going to be not even like, you know, by the end of it, they might be a couple few games out. Uh, it's just the nature of it that it's yeah. a really tough conference. There is uh, certainly, in my opinion, an imbalance right now between the two conferences in terms of quality teams. Not that the NFC doesn't have some contenders to get on that level soon. Um, and, and have really good records. I just, if right now, if you took, and I don't know exactly where the teams would be, but if you just right now, if you could say, hey, let's get the five through seven teams in the AFC that are going to finish there with non, non, the best non-division winners and have them face off against the NFC's five through seven, I would probably take the AFC in all three games, um, yeah. no doubt about it. Um, it's just kind of the nature of it. But, yeah, the, that schedule is brutal. The whole This whole division has really tough schedules. I think they've, I think if we, if I remember correctly, they're all in the, all four of them are down in the, the hardest, like, six, seven projected schedules based on not um, last year's win totals, but projected win totals this year. So that's just that whole division. I, I don't know if any of them are going to be able to get a bye. The Chiefs have, to, to be fair, the Chiefs have the projected fifth toughest schedule based on the, the same metric of projected wins of their opponents. So it's it's going to be a bloodbath, man, um, in the AFC in general. So, yeah, I, I guess the better way to frame it is less about exactly schedule. They might only improve from 7-10 and 10 to 9-8 and 8 or 10-7, and 7, and that's a you know solid improvement. But they could be yeah. a vastly superior football team to last year, especially on the offensive end where they finished 26th in DVOA a year ago. I, I think that number would be highly disappointing, just like we thought it was going to be yeah, with the Broncos, but a little different. I have a little more maybe confidence even than I had with Denver going into last season uh, that they're at least going to be in the top 16 and potentially clo- uh, hovering around that top 10 offense um, that they think they can do uh, with all the guys they brought in. All right, here's a question, because I have a feeling we're going to talk about a few teams who don't fit this, or there's a few teams that have five wins or less that we're going to bring up as probably most improved potential but is there anyone else above five wins that we would say, you know, because the Jets had seven wins. Is there anyone above five? Because I'm looking, I'm like, okay, there's a team with five wins. There's another team with five wins. These could qualify. But, like, the teams above that five-win range, like, there. I mean, you and I kind of laughed about this before we started recording. But like, the entire NFC South is interesting because it's like, could any of those teams just make a huge jump? I don't know. Like it's it's hard to say unless maybe it's the Saints that just turn that seven and ten into a you know a ten and seven type season or something like that. Um, but like I'm looking at teams above five wins last year, and I guess like maybe the Saints or any of those I guess teams in the NFC South probably minus the Bucks. Um, I don't know. Like I, I'm just wondering, do any of those other teams take like a huge jump from let's say being a you know, I don't know, an eight and nine team, nine and eight team to a, you know, 12, 13 type win season. I don't know that I see a ton of teams in that category. Like the Titans were seven and 10. I don't Mm -hmm. know that I think the Titans are going to take a huge jump. Um, You know, and again, we're just talking about teams above five. Like, I mean, the Dolphins, best case scenario, they were nine and eight. I mean, I suppose you could say they could be, could significantly improve. Should they add a Dalvin Cook, get to 12 or 13 wins, maybe, um that's a possibility but in that range of teams I, I don't I don't know if there's a lot that stands out yeah I, I was trying to I mean I think that potentially uh with some of the receivers the Ravens have brought in if they stay healthy yeah. in that defense I think the defense wasn't you know it kind of started coming on at the end of the year so it's hard to say did they already improve in 2022 with some of the moves they made uh, that's one that I was like trying to get one that was a little even higher um, that I'd at least mentioned that Baltimore could be 
um, a proved team that I wouldn't be surprised by any means if, you know, even with how good the Bengals were. And I still think the Bengals are probably, you know, if not the best total roster in the AFC, they're right alongside uh, Kansas City and Buffalo. But I'd say the Ravens are not far behind. I, I, I think that they've put some things together, um, that defense and that with, uh, you know, just bringing in Todd Munkin, I'm really curious to see maybe one of the more exciting teams kind of to think about what the, the Bravens could do. Um, but in terms of other ones in that range that are over seven, I mean, in terms of this is like the reverse of the Jets where it might not be the uh, the improvement in terms of total DVOA or those kind of things, but record-wise, um, totally flipped as we've talked about a few times. The Souths are playing each other. As a result, the Saints, Falcons, and Panthers have three of the four easiest projected schedules based on their opponent win totals. So, um, that should uh, potentially help one of them, in my opinion, uh, get to that 10-some-odd win range. So just a matter of which one it is. I, I think you could make an argument with Derek Carr, with the Saints, that just his presence alone, he's not a guy that's going to be a huge difference maker, but in the right situation with some things that I think the Saints are going to be able to do should be uh, pretty successful, at least uh, relative to the conference he's in. And then the Falcons are one that... I'm excited to see what this team does uh, with the way that they want to run the football. They already have a really good offensive line. They just have big guys. Like it seems like everyone that, that they sign, it's not just a, a player that fits um, on the offensive line and guys they've drafted. It's not just guys that they think fit well into their scheme. They're also just massive humans. This is a team that's going to want to just pound you. Um, also on their defense, bringing in Jesse Bates, uh, it's hard to, to uh, you know know exactly. We've seen some safety uh, guys that are really solid with one team move on to another it doesn't end up working out I have a hard time thinking though that Jesse Bates won't be successful in Atlanta they have Calais Campbell coming in I mean I think that defense overall I'm not saying it's going to be dominant by any means but I think that it could take a a step forward for sure this year so I put Atlanta you know they were one of the worst defenses in the league last year 30th in DVOA I think there's a chance that they maintain some of the good things they did on offense and potentially even uh, you know they're not going to be a team that's relying on the quarterback position they're going to try to put Ritter in some places to be successful that is maybe the one spot where you you do have concerns about how high their ceiling is um when it's unclear yeah. if he's the guy long term but I think with um Algier and obviously to bring in uh Bijan I mean this this running attack could be a really old school kind of um uh, situation we got going and then yeah looking across the league at other teams with you're saying seven plus wins that could be better Oh, man, I know I said the, the Ravens are – I don't know if that's too bold. I do think the Ravens are just a really good team and could be better than they were last year. The Browns are an interesting one, but I don't know. Yeah. It just seems like we do this every time. The way that they, they become <laughs> the more uh, – you know, into this most improved when we if we were to look back at it after the season would be if Deshaun takes a major step forward. I, th- I think yeah. just having – you know, he came – wasn't really practicing, wasn't even playing football at all for so long – and it, it looked like it. It was ugly uh, for a lot of that um, past that last season. Uh, so I, I think that it, with a whole year of, of being able to work with the team, getting comfortable with the system, kind of rediscovering some of those things, I, I think Deshaun is the key to the Browns being named to this list. And I, you mentioned Miami. That's a, an easy one, too. I think just it's not even the offensive side almost. Uh, I think they're going to be maybe a, potentially a little bit better offensive line-wise. Can they maintain some of the good uh, things they did schematically to that where Mike McDaniel seemed to step ahead at times? I think it's the defensive side. I mean, Jalen Ramsey in him just by himself, uh, if he can, he doesn't have to be, again, the most dominant corner that he's been throughout his career. But 
Um, some of the other guys they brought in on that side of the ball, I think Miami definitely qualifies for teams in this range. I, I mentioned I've been higher on Pittsburgh. I, I hesitate to put them on this list. I'd still wanted to mention them just because I think in terms of where they were already improving, I think we already kind of, again, similar to some of the things where the Ravens defense the second half of the year, end of the year after they make the rope on Smith trade, drastically different than earlier in the year what we looked at for Baltimore. And same with Pittsburgh. They started out so slow, and I think they ended like 6-2 and two or something in that range in their last eight games to end up over 500. So they already kind of made the improvements. If Broderick Jones can come in and uh, solidify the, the left side of the offensive line, obviously Joey Porter, a lot of hype around him. Uh, you know, maybe maybe some interesting things happening um, f- for Pittsburgh here, but I it's just I struggle with that that division. That, I know the AFC East might be the top to bottom strongest, but the North is still the North is still there. Um, yeah. And I think the Ravens and Bengals at the top. Uh, I, I think Baltimore has a chance to to definitely improve from their ten and seven record at least, and be it might be a little more drama at the end of the season for who's going to win that division between Baltimore and Cincinnati. All right, let's go to the the five and below teams because I think this is where you really start to again. There's not not much further to go down, so you almost have to be improved uh, in certain areas. I don't know that all these teams will be, but um, the ones that could be the most significant in terms of the making that big jump. I mean, I I would probably start with two in particular, and I think it's you know you could argue two most disappointing teams in the NFL last year, and that was the Broncos and the Rams. Um, you know, both finished five and twelve last season. We know we talked a lot about the story, you know, of those two teams, how it happened. But you would have to think, certainly, you know, Sean Payton coming in with the Broncos, revamping the offense, perhaps. Um, I would just have to think the Broncos would would be one of the most improved teams in the NFL. I don't know if it means they make the playoffs, but surely they they have to be improved. Again, there's no other choice. Uh, and then with the Rams, uh, as you know, Dylan, just kind of a team that certainly disappointing we, we talked a lot you know last season about the injuries and just the personnel you know situation and all those kind of things and um yeah I mean I, I just think they have to, to to be better and I would expect that they they will but um like we said it's just looking at kind of where you are in the NFC West and knowing where the Niners are at the Seahawks you know made a huge jump last season and don't seem to be taking a, a big step back by any means so um I would probably start if we're looking at the teams at five five and below I think you have to start with the Broncos and Rams yeah, the two teams that we had as our most disappointing from last year. Yes. <laughs> Makes sense that they should be better. I, I I do worry about the Rams defense just because of all the guys that have gone out the door. Still have Aaron Donald, but if they can triple team the guy because they're not worried about everyone else, um, that, that's not going to help you. I know that they have a lot of confidence in Kobe Durant. I know that they believe that um, Byron Young is going to be able to make a, a quick impact on the outside. It's just a lot of ifs and a lot of – I think I don't know, as much as they want to talk about that this year is uh, – they're trying to win right now, I feel like it, it just naturally feels like it's a, a time for them to be looking at the, the roster overall, all the young guys they have, and figure out who's going to be here for next year. So, I I mean, they could take a big step forward on offense, sure, um, just by, you know, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford being healthy and the offensive line not, you know, being down to their 10th or 11th. Uh, different makeup of uh, five from left to right as it happened kept happening last year I think they, they set a re- NFL record for most uh, uh, consecutive games to start a year without the same five offensive linemen ever starting back-to-back weeks so it uh we'll see if that happens uh, they're uh, really excited about Steve Avila the second round pick they have a guard there obviously Logan Bruss missed the whole last year that was their highest pick uh, the previous season He's out with the whole injury, the whole season with injuries. So we'll see how that all, I think the offense itself could improve. 
um, drastically just by the nature of not having the, the number of uh, injuries, uh, games lost to injury across the board. But on defense, I do hesitate to look at this unit and think, all right, they're immediately going to be able to make the impact that they had when they had someone of Jalen Ramsey's level with the, even though they weren't great last year, they still finished towards the middle of the pack. You know, Bobby Wagner still maybe wasn't the perfect fit for this offense still, or for this defense, but still made a big impact. They, they lose Greg Gaines. They lose a lot of just depth. Um, so it, it might take a second for them to, to regroup. I think they'll be better um, potentially, but what, what does that mean? Is that actually the best case scenario for them long-term um, in terms of the draft, uh, draft-wise? I, mean, I think ultimately they'll still end up with a pretty good pick, so... Um, if as long as Stafford proves he's healthy and good to go moving forward, they're going to continue to build around him, and that makes that pick a little more palatable than say if if Stafford's still struggling with injuries, the the play is not up to par, and then they win six seven games and don't have a chance to get uh, really high in the draft. That that makes it a little more uh, a little more disappointing, even if their record is technically better than last year. And then Denver. I mean, they have to be better, right? We've talked about it a couple <laughs> times. It's hard to be worse than they were on offense. Um, I think their defense has potentially they finished 10th in dvoa they were they weren't the problem as we know last year the amount of games they kept them in the games that they won games they even barely lost i mean denver was that that unit uh, rightfully in there you know i remember kind of quotes and different things coming out of the the frustration for them because they felt like you know going into the year if we just play like we know we can without with russell wilson coming in it's going to lead to success and just obviously did not um I think Sean Payton himself and just what he can establish with the system, and he's proven it with how quickly he took the Saints from a team that, you know, was not not really doing much. They, they had won their first playoff game a few years before Hurricane Katrina, and they had the, you know, flying around, playing in San Antonio, all these different things. He comes in and immediately the, you know, the standard of what we know the Saints has now is set that it's crazy to think for anyone born in the last 18 years Saints are not a, uh, a team that prior was a model franchise by any means. Uh, that's a little different than Denver, who has been at a lot, a lot of their history, um, the last, uh, you know, the whole John Elway era, and even before, um, a, a team that's been, you know, considered one of the better pro, uh, organizations in the league. So a lot of over a lot of things changing there, but I think with Sean Payton, it is imp- almost impossible to imagine this team being 29th in an offensive DVOA again, I think they're how high they can go is a question. They have a lot of playmakers and there's a lot of rumors still about some of the receivers, if they could trade one of them and all those different things. But uh, at least looking at it right now, I, I think that just with Sean Payton there and what they're going to be able to do, I, I think the, the offense has a chance to be drastically improved. The one team I mentioned you before we started recording that I, I would also mention from this range, the bears. I know that the bears are still, probably three, four, five, six, seven pieces away at certain positions. But I, after they completely tore it down on defense last year, they were the worst defensive league in the uh, defensive team in the league. DVOA wise offensive uh, offense at times had some flash moments, but still wasn't overly pretty. Still a, a question of the overall depth of the offensive line. I think they did come around a little bit better than we I thought going into the year. Obviously they, they make some reinforcements in the draft there. Um, and overall, with obviously bringing in a DJ Moore, some of the other um, pass catchers they, they have here, I wouldn't say it's a top-end receiving room, but it's a more, much more competent one. So um, I, I and just another year for Justin Fields in, in the same system here, getting used to everything. I, I think that um, I think there's a chance. I don't know. I'm not saying the Bears are going to be a playoff team necessarily. Uh, if it happens, that's 
amazing. But I do think from three and fourteen to seven and ten is realistic in the, the conference they're in. Um, and I don't think it's just going to be reflected in their in their record. I think their the defense won't be the worst in the league again. It might be in more in the twenties. And then I think the offense has a chance to be. We'll see. It's a big year for Justin Fields. It's kind of. It's, I don't know if it's right that the, a lot of pressure has been put on him to be like, all right, now you have the receivers, you have the situation, it's your turn to to have the results. I don't know. I wouldn't say that this is still like a, a just r- ridiculously talented offensive roster around him, um, but I do think it's improved. So I, I think they're worth mentioning here to be a team that's going to make a, a jump up for sure. Anyone else that I guess we haven't touched on? Like I said, it's a it's an interesting tier of teams. There's always going to be someone that we're just not even not even on our radar that we know is going to just make a huge um, jump. But I, I guess that's again that's probably the only teams I'd have on my list in terms. We talked about kind of just the the weirdness of the NFC South. If any of those teams kind of emerge, but um, you know some of the teams. And I don't know, maybe that can kind of transition into, you know, teams that we think may go in reverse, although it may not be as long of a conversation since we're mostly focusing on the most improved teams. But, um, yeah, I just don't see anyone else that kind of qualifies. And then I guess it's just trying to figure out, well, if those teams improve and they jump some of these teams, who are they going to jump? Because, um, you know, you got to be able to do that to actually improve. So we'll see. Yeah. The easy one is the, we're talking about the NFC South a lot. Tampa Bay just losing yeah. Tom Brady and some of the other guys on defense that they – let walk. This is a team that certainly feels like they're going to go be towards the bottom of the league, maybe on purpose. Maybe they are uh, looking ahead to the to the 2024 draft and some of the promising QB prospects that are there. Uh, uh, so I think Tampa, after being 8-9, and nine, winning their division, finishing 17th in DVOA, there's a chance they drop down quite a bit. Um, I don't know. This was one record-wise I imagine is going to dip. I don't think DVOA-wise they're already pretty bad. The Vikings, they finished 27th despite no. being 13-4. and four. <laughs> I mean, they were just defying the odds. Their expected win total was, I think, 6.3. I mean, they doubled that. It's insane uh, what, what the Vikings pulled off, and that's a credit to some of the really talented players they have. Um, I don't think – I think they'll actually – they're going to be a weird one where they, they're going to improve DVOA-wise, but their record's going to get worse. I think it's an, it was just kind of like all the bad luck they'd had for years started turning their way, and then they got a reality check in the playoffs and they got punched out by the Giants. But I think they're a team that uh, record-wise will definitely fall off um, to, to let some of these teams. I don't know if they'll be jumped by the Bears necessarily, but I, I know that a lot of team people high in the Lions potentially win that division. Vikings still could, but just maybe with a worse record. Um, they're already pretty bad last year. I think Arizona could be worse <laughs> just because – uh, Tyler's not going to be on the field for potentially half the season, maybe more. If they get to a point where the record's really bad, does it make sense to bring him back and try to win football games? Uh, I don't know. So I know they're fourteen or four and thirteen. Uh, maybe they finish with the same record, but they end up just being a, a worse product. I think the defense has been stripped down even more. They still have some talented players, but by design, this is a team that is in a really major transition year. Um, other ones that could go down worse. I'm trying to think. This one, they want to be jumped by anyone. I, have, I do have still concerns about the Raiders. We'll see. Maybe they, maybe they will. Uh, things will be, everything will be fine. But without Derek Carr and without a guy behind him that you feel like fantastic about, and a defense that still has a lot of questions, I don't think. Um, I, I definitely wasn't going to pick them as a team making a jump, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they dip a bit. Um, after that, I mean, the Packers have to be probably mentioned, even if you yeah. are really confident in Jordan Love. Um, and what he's going to be able to do over long term, still maintaining a near top 10 offense DVOA wise, it's going to be tough. Um, the defense, you look at all the talented players they've had and you wonder why their defense at times, I 
they've been just a frustrating unit there to, to not be better than they have been. I don't. They maybe they'll improve a bit, but I think the offense will take enough of a step back that uh, they'll be a team that won't be. I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if we look at this list and there's going to be some surprise teams that are easily the ones that are like, wow, they really fell off a cliff, like the Rams <laughs> last year. But I don't know if the Packers will make that big of a dip. But I do think they're going to be. Um, it's just going to be a, more of a, again a transition year. We'll see. Maybe things will work out. Peachy and Matt Lafleur will, uh, you know, prove something beyond. Uh, you know, not that he needs to prove way too much, but he has not had a been a head coach without Aaron Rodgers. Um, so it's, it'll be really interesting to see what he's able to, to cobble together with that uh, Packer team that doesn't have, uh, again, with the NFC, this is a case for a lot of teams, not an overwhelmingly tough schedule for Green Bay. Um, one's, I, don't know, I, I just, it's hard for, I don't like being too negative here. I'm trying to look at <laughs> some of these top 10 DVOA teams and pick one um, to regress. I don't, because I don't think Detroit's going to regress. I, I, I don't, I, mean, I don't they either. might be a little yeah. worse uh, on offense. I think the defense will be better though. And I think ultimately they will be a better team by the end of it. Finishing fifth on, on offense is, it's, I mean, that's a really high uh, bar to, to stay up at, but I think I don't have a, I have a really hard time with them picking them to fall off really far. I have a hard time with Miami again, as long as Tua stays healthy, it's so important. Um, that, I mean, Seattle, I think that they're, Maybe the only way that they fall off, I don't think, I think roster build wise, and it's a frustrating thing as a Rams fan, obviously, as I've mentioned with San Francisco as well. And I don't think San Francisco is going to fall off. Let me be clear off uh, there as much as some people are concerned about the quarterback. I'm not concerned because they have Kyle Shanahan. But with Seattle, I think they've roster build wise continued to make some solid moves. And I, I don't they have now with uh, those three receivers, DK, bring in Jackson Smith and uh, Jigba. And then you also have Tyler Lockett. I mean, that is a ridiculous group. Um, the offensive line maybe isn't perfect, but still solid. I, I'm really high uh, bias for sure on, on Zach Charbonnet being added to the Kenneth Walker backfield. But can't make the only way, and I don't think this is going to happen. But if Geno just isn't quite at the level as what he was last year, and even over the course of last season, his numbers early in the year and later in the year as teams adjusted did, weren't quite on the same level. So I think that that's the only way that they don't. I don't know if they'll finish in the top ten. I'm not going to say they're going to be the one to. They're not gonna. I don't think they're gonna fall off though. So yeah. they're a hard team to to pick. I don't know if there really is one here. But again, that ha, these teams are just built in a better way than you know the Rams really knew what they were going for. They, they were able to win that Super Bowl. I don't know if there's an equivalent here. Teams are gonna have much worse DVOA finishes. Like Buffalo probably isn't gonna finish first again. Um, but does that mean they're like one of the uh, least improved team <laughs> rosters this year? I I have a hard time. Uh, you, could, yeah. you can make an argument that Buffalo didn't have the best offseason um, in terms of addressing everything they needed to. Um, but you can make that argument for a lot of teams at the top that maybe already felt pretty good about where they were. There's, it's really hard to get much, so much better when you're already as good as a team like the Buffalo Bills or some of these other teams at the top like the Eagles and Niners. Yeah, we'll see. But like you said, it's just going to be interesting to kind of see which of these teams can take a jump, which go backwards and all of that's good stuff. A lot more stuff to keep up with here, though, as we go throughout the NFL offseason. So, uh, Dylan, a lot of stuff going on at Clutch Points to keep everybody up to date with everything. So let everybody know where they can find all that. Yeah, go to the NFL section of ClutchPoints.com. Tons of coverage of mini camps, all the all the drama with Dalvin. We've got every angle where Dalvin could end up, where Hopkins could end up, at following every little rumor that they do. A lot of stuff with the Stefan Diggs uh situation right now with him not reporting to <laughs> mandatory camp and all of his social media activity whether it be his own posts or liking posts different weird things happening hopefully it all gets figured out but we're covering that all at clutch points you can read all about that in the nfl section again going through camp battles and 
different things um, for the NFL offseason right now. A lot obviously still happening here, um, even though we're into we're not quite to the quiet part of the schedule, but uh, the NFL never sleeps, as we always say on this podcast. So we got uh, lots of stuff looking at trades teams could be making, uh, veterans who could who's could, uh, could be pushed out by rookies um, for different spots. That's one of the series we're going through right now. So all that you can find in the Clutch Points app in the NFL section as well as clutchpoints.com in the NFL section. Yep, check it all out there. And as always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Any podcast that you use, search is for back. Stabs the best. Diggs yeah. is back. I just got notifications. There you go. He's well, back. I, so. There you go. Magic happens right. on the podcast. Sorry about that. Congratulations. <laughs> there's always look. There's always something right that. Um, I feel like every like we always used to say that every time we record, like during the season, there would be breaking news of some sort. But, um, anyways, Diggs is back. So congratulations to the Bills fans. But, uh, anyways, we don't think the Bills are taking a step back. But uh, continue to follow everything in the off season. At clutch points, subscribe to the podcast, uh, any podcast app you just search for stops past. And thanks as always for listening to the podcast. And we'll talk to you next time here on the Stabbers the Past podcast. Yes.